an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Dynasty Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined today by Scott Bogman and by Pat Fitzmorris. Fellas, I was here for a week, then I was gone for a week. Thank you for, uh, you know, carrying the ship there without me while I was on the slopes getting some uh, some skiing in. I am back, though, to talk about some dynasty quarterbacks and some dynasty tight ends. We are putting the two positions together for this show. We are going to be running through, as we have for the other positions, through our top tiers. We're only going to hit four tiers for each of these. It'll take us through about the top 28 or so, guys, at each position. Then for each position, we're going to end up with some rookie talk as well. Obviously, the quarterback position, very interesting for rookie drafts this year and where those guys are going to fall in. So we'll hit those at the end of each position. We're going to start with quarterbacks here right at the top. I'm moving a little quickly because we have a ton to get through here trying to squeeze in both positions. So let's jump right in here with the quarterbacks right at the very top I will mention all of our early 2024 consensus rankings and tiers for dynasty and redraft and whatever else you might want to play they can all be found fantasypros.com slash rankings from there you can navigate to the dynasty rankings if that's what you're looking for again that's fantasypros.com slash rankings fellas let's start with the s tier at quarterback it's four names as most of the s tiers have been it's josh allen patrick mahomes jalen hurts and Lamar Jackson. So, Boggs, just starting things off here, what are kind of your overall thoughts on those first four names? I think they're the right names. And that is, uh, this is the tippy top of the spear, however you want to call it. Uh, I think these are the right names. I think these are the ones that are the definite top four. I think if you deviate from that, it's a little eyebrow raising. It's not crazy. The next tier is very good still, but I think these are the guys. Um, and, you, you know, I mean... So I know it's a surprise to you, maybe, but I'm a I love Lamar. Lamar is going to be my number two here, and um, I've been behind him since he was in college. Of course, I used to host college fantasy football shows uh, with our boy Froton, and he was number one and number two best fantasy seasons ever in college. He's had great success in the NFL, and if you wanted to give him 15 touchdowns on a tush push, 
what would it take? It wouldn't take a lot. Just take him all away from Gus Edwards, give him Lamar, Lamar Jackson, and that now he's way at the top over everybody. So, uh, yeah, I think this is the right group for sure. Yeah, I was really encouraged by Lamar playing so well this year when they didn't really have that obvious star running back next to him after Dobbins went down. Because I do think they're going to try to address that in the offseason, get like a true three down back, like kind of a step up. Gus Edwards getting a little older. Obviously, you don't know the health with Keaton Mitchell. We talked about that on the running back show about the uncertainty in that backfield. I think they'll get another name in there. And so I was really encouraged to see that Lamar was able to be a very good fantasy quarterback, even with maybe, um, you know, having to do a little bit more with the throwing and not be, you know, if he has a better running back and throws even more in the future we know we, he can do it right and he's always going to be the number two rusher yeah. like you know sometimes he'll be the number one rusher yeah. but a lot of times he's at least going to be the number two rusher yeah now Fitz you I want to get your overall thoughts on the tier but I do want to point out you are the lowest on Jalen Hurts everybody else has him in the top four you have him at QB six in your dynasty rankings I do think it's a big three at quarterback I think Lamar Jackson is arguably the greatest running quarterback of all time. Patrick Mahomes, arguably the greatest passing quarterback of all times. And Josh Allen, a really nice mashup of the two attributes. Um, but yeah, I would throw Jalen Hurts out of the club, to be honest. And um, he finished QB2 in fantasy scoring this past season, but 24.1% of his fantasy points came on rushing touchdowns, just the value of the scores. And I don't know if we can count on push, uh, tush push value uh, continuing to be propped up at such an extent. And it seemed like the Eagles would, um, every time someone else was about to score, they'd trip and fall down at the one yard line or um, yeah, something would happen. So Shane Steichen was no longer Hurts offensive coordinator in 2023 after taking the Colts head coaching job. And Hertz went from 25.6 fantasy points per game in 2022 to 21.9 fantasy points per game in 2023. His passing yardage per game fell from 24, uh, 246.7 yards to 226.9. Yardage per attempt goes from 8.0 to 7.2. Hertz also had slippage in passer rating, touchdown rate. Um, his passer rating went from 1015 to 89.1. So I, I just wonder if the rushing value is going to be enough to keep him here with all those short touchdowns. He's got to get back to where he was as a passer, I think, to stick in this top tier. And I don't, I'm a little skeptical he gets there, to be honest. First of all, you said Lamar, arguably the greatest rushing quarterback of all time. No argument there. He's <laughs> not the much argument quarterback of all <laughs> not time. Me. Um, I, I want to get your guys' opinion before we move off this tier at the very top, because we obviously talked about, you know, Hertz and Lamar. But as far as Allen and Mahomes go, I actually kind of expected this to be a full consensus among the Fantasy Pro staff of Allen one. And, you know, I would put Mahomes too. I, I could see the argument for Lamar too, obviously. But I thought Allen was going to be a consensus one across the board. He's not. You guys both had him one. And then Debro had him three. Erickson had him two. Were you surprised that it was a consensus? Or do you think that is kind of close enough together that you could make a case either way? Boggs, what do you think? I, I don't think it's surprising. I think watching Patrick Mahomes, it's hard to see what he does and see the absolute magician he is and um, how well he throws the ball and how he just can sit. Everyone knows it's going to Kelsey still gets it to Kelsey. It's just unbelievable. Some of the stuff that he's done. So uh, to have him at one and know he is the best quarterback. Like if you're starting a franchise, he's still the number one. That's the guy you want, but he just, he does not have that rushing upside, you know? And like, like Fitzy said, you're not going to have guys stop at the one all the time to have 15 rushing touchdowns, for Allen and for Hertz. That's not going to be the thing 
it, you shouldn't count on that on a year-to-year basis. Maybe you count it a little more for a guy like Hertz because he's done it two years in a row. Um, but Josh Allen is so good with his legs, and it's not just runs from the one that, that are giving him points. He has more rushing upside than Mahomes. That's why I had to make him my fantasy number one. But if I'm starting a franchise... It's Mahomes. It's Mahomes with a bullet. And so I understand uh, still having him ranked as number one because he is the most secure. He has the highest job security of anyone in the NFL. Yeah, Fitz, what do, what do you make of that? Fantasy only, obviously. Obviously, you know, everybody has Mahomes one in real life. But Allen versus Mahomes, you know, at the top of these rankings, what do you make of the two? I don't feel super strongly about having Allen over Mahomes. And I do think Mahomes is probably going to have... <sighs> He'll never have any less pass-catching firepower than he had this year, which is the reason I think we saw him have a like mid-tier QB1 finish in fantasy this year. Like They're going to draft wide receivers. They absolutely need to. So um, I, I totally expect him to be a top three fantasy quarterback again next year and well into the future. One other just quick note on these guys. They're all kind of born within the same couple of years here, 95, 96, 97, and 98. So this kind of mid-20s to late-20s does seem to be the sweet spot here in the S tier. Let's move to the next tier, which has a couple of younger guys here. This is our A tier. Number five, CJ Stroud. Number six, Joe Burrow. Number seven, Justin Herbert. And number eight, Anthony Richardson. Before we get into some of the specifics, Fitz, I'll start with you. Which guy do you think is most likely to elevate to the S tier by this time next year? And I think you can really make a reasonable case for any of the four. Anthony Richardson. I mean, his rushing value is immense, and he is not completely the raw, unrefined passer that a lot of people thought he was going to be uh, coming out of college. Only played four games as a rookie, so I think people are going to be maybe a little cautious with him, but um, sustained injuries in a couple of those games. So in the two full games he played, He had 21.9 and 29.6 fantasy points, QB4 and QB2 in those two weeks. Um, And I've I've dropped this stat before on our uh, uh, season-long The Fantasy Pros football podcast. Richardson averaged 0.43 fantasy points per snap. Um, The leading scorer in fantasy this year, Josh Allen, 0.36 fantasy points per snap. So basically Richardson averaged 20% more points per snap than the leading score at the position. I mean, the guy's just a freak. Is there any concern, Boggs, about like, I don't want to say injury history because it's only one season, but he did only play the four games. I, you know, I was going to ask the question of if this is too high for Richardson, given the lack of the track record. And obviously Fitz doesn't feel that way since he thinks he could elevate even higher next year. What do you think about AR? Yeah, look, I, I think I think the injury stuff is a fair question, right? Because Richardson only has played four games, and he was a little questionable coming in. Like, no one questioned the physical talent. You saw him at the combine. It was unbelievable. Um, so the upside is there. Like Fitz said, the highest per-snap score in the NFL with a bullet is a good spot to be in. I understand some people questioning him because we haven't seen him for a full season, but my thing is... If Gardner Minshew can do it, like Anthony Richardson can do it and make it look great. So I am excited for Anthony Richardson. I have him at seven. Um, Maybe that's too high or too expensive for some people. And I'll have him behind a couple of the guys that that are coming out here. So um, but he is very good. They 
I think they're going to re-sign Pittman. They're going to have some weapons there for him. And I, I think he's going to be just fine. So I don't know that I would say that he is the most likely to jump into the next group. I think it's CJ Stroud. Cause I think the only reason CJ Stroud isn't in that group right now is because it's just a one year sample, right? If he gives us two years of the same, I'll have him in there. I would probably have him over Jalen hurts because of those uh, concerns uh, that Fitz mentioned. But um, I think that is the guy that is most likely to jump in there. And I think Burrow has already been in there, but I think he has been lowered because of his injuries so far in his career. So, I, you know, the talent, like you said, to start this tier worm, all these guys can go up into the next tier. No one would bat an eye, uh, but there are reasons that they're not there right now. Richardson, oh, by also, the way, oh, yeah. oh, I was just going to say Richardson didn't really get to play with Jonathan Taylor last year either. Right. Like, think of how much the presence of Jonathan Taylor is going to help with the play action game next year and like make things that much easier for Richardson as a passer. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the many reasons we were all excited about Richardson and rookie drafts last year was Shane Steichen, who we mentioned how losing him hurt hurts. It certainly is going to help Richardson in the long term. Richardson, also the youngest guy here, born in 2002, which is making me feel extremely old uh, to, to see, you know, a date of birth like that. But there's another guy in this tier that Boggs just mentioned who was also born in the 2000s. That's CJ Stroud. Fitz, I was surprised that your answer to my first question was Richardson because you already have Stroud in your top four. You are the highest among the Fantasy Pro staff with him at four. The other guys have him five, five, and seven. Yeah, what's not to like? He was one of the best passers in the league as a rookie. Um, among quarterbacks who appeared in at least six games, Stroud ranked fifth in passer rating, third in yards per attempt, second in passing yards per game, and had the lowest interception rate in the league all as a rookie. And you know what was most impressive about Stroud last year to me was early in the season, the Texans had four of their five starting offensive linemen injured. I thought it was going to be a complete disaster for a rookie quarterback having to deal with a patchwork offensive line for a team that, you know, not a lot of recent offensive success. Well, in his first four starts, he averaged 303 passing yards per game, had six touchdown passes, not a single interception, and had a passer rating above 100 in three of those four games. Like, that was just insanely impressive to me. He's only 22. Uh, he's going to be really, really good for a long time. Boggs, I, I think you can, you know, anybody would agree that you can make the case for Stroud over Hertz. It's obviously you can kind of go either way. If you wanted to, clearly they're in different tiers, you know, on our consensus rankings. Do you think there's a case to be made given the age, given the just the potential going forward? He gets Bobby Slowick for another year and they kept their QB coach around too. So it almost looks like there's a clear succession plan for when Slowick likely leaves after maybe next season. So there's just so much optimism here for, for really justified. Is there a case for Stroud into the top three even? Or do you think the highest anybody could reasonably rank him right now is maybe four? Yeah, I'm not putting him in the top three. Top four is fine. I I think the top four is a tier. Uh, you know, Fitz had a good argument for why Jalen Hurts is lower. And I just think in, like, if, if you put Stroud in there and make it five, right, the worst skill of any of these quarterbacks is still Jalen Hurts passing the ball, right? Um, so I, I understand the trepidation of having – you know, Jalen Hurts up there. My thing with Jalen Hurts is he's got A.J. Brown and he's got Devontae Smith for a long time, you know. Uh, so as long as he doesn't mess that up, and that is, to me, as much of a guarantee as you can get, uh, him having both those guys, 
that he is not going to slip because they just, I don't think they'll let him. He's, they're both so good. They may, I mean, AJ Brown made Ryan Tannehill a pro bowler. You know what I mean? So um, I, I think the the weapons uh, around Hertz are good. I think the weapons around CJ Stroud are great. Uh, I don't think they're what the Eagles have though. So I still, I would still have him at five and it's repeatability. We've seen plenty of guys play good for one year and then slide back into you know, medi- mediocrity really fast. I don't think CJ Stroud is that guy. I think he's proved that he's uh, going to be a good quarterback, which is why I have him ranked five, but uh, I just wouldn't put him up there yet. Herbert is so. a good example of that within this tier who, who had a historic rookie season, but has not quite cemented himself in that consistent S tier level of fantasy quarterback fits before we move off this tier. Like, are we overlooking both Burrow and Herbert a bit? Like, obviously everybody loves the S tier guys. And obviously we all have those like cartoon, like Oruga eyes for Stroud and Richardson, <laughs> you know, for their own respective reasons. Burrow and Herbert have the pedigree. They have done it before. They have talent around them. Herbert's getting a huge coaching upgrade this season. Burrow may be losing, you know, T. Higgins. We'll see what happens there, but still has Jamar Chase, of course. Going to be a pass-heavy offense. Like, these are really talented players who have a bit of a track record. Are we overlooking them by having them where they're ranked right now, Fitz? I don't think so, because I think everyone puts them in that group of very well-regarded quarterbacks. I there are about nine or 10 such quarterbacks. So if you've got them on your dynasty roster, you feel really good about those guys for the next two to three years um, and probably beyond. And I think those guys are safely there. Um, We can quibble about where they go in relation to Richardson or Stroud, but I think all those, both of those guys are sort of in the circle of trust and you're really happy if, especially in super flex leagues, if you have one of those guys as your primary anchor quarterback. Quickly, Bogman, which do you like better between Burrow and Herbert right now? Uh, it's Burrow for me, and uh, I mean, Burrow's just cold-blooded. Uh, that dude is so good. Uh, the only thing keeping him out of the tippy-top tier is the injuries because the weapons around him are great, but obviously the offensive line needs to be fixed so he can stay upright. So uh, I, I think it's the opposite of Jalen Hurts. I think Joe Burrow could do what he's doing with a bunch of JV high school guys. Like I, I think his passing is unbelievable. So I would put him up there, but he can't stay on the field. And as the old scouting trope goes, availability is the best ability. He, he certainly hasn't been playing with JV high school guys. Yeah. Uh, Jamar yeah. Chase, Justin Jefferson in college, Chase and Higgins in the NFL. So uh, let's let's not test that theory, Boggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before hitting the B tier, do you guys want a chance to win big with your Super Bowl picks? Let me tell you about a Super Bowl contest we have going on over at Betting Pros. To enter, first download the Betting Pros app at bettingpros.com slash apps. Next, join the Super Bowl 58 contest group within the app or head over to bettingpros.com slash super. Lastly, just place a minimum of five NFL bets on the Super Bowl. And it's that simple. If sports betting isn't legal in your state, don't worry. You can still participate in our contest using the quick pick feature from game picks to player props. Every pick counts. Join now, make your bets, and you could win premium subscriptions to both Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros, plus more. Again, join our Super Bowl contest on the Betting Pros app or at bettingpros.com super. May the best picks win. I would uh, have some thoughts on those picks. If the Ravens were participating, I might not uh, weigh in so much uh, given the circumstances. Let's move to the B tier here before I get sad. Kyler Murray at QB9, Dak Prescott at QB10. 
followed by Trevor Lawrence, G- Jordan Love, Justin Fields, Brock Purdy, and Tua Tungavailoa. So this tier has seven guys in it, ranging from Kyler Murray at QB9, again, to Tua Tungavailoa at QB15. Fitz, I'll start with you. Which QB in this tier is ranked too low and which is ranked too high, if you think there are any? I think Jordan Love is too low, and I'm trying not to be a a Packers homer here, but he's inside my top 10. Um, We saw how well he played over his last 10 games or so, and this guy just makes terrific throws and has some ability. And just statistically, he was phenomenal down the stretch. Um, High touchdown-to-interception ratio, um, a lot of passing yards per game. So I kind of think he deserves to be one of those guys among the 9 or 10 quarterbacks who you can trust going two, three years into the future or beyond. So um, he's the guy who's too low. I, I think Dak Prescott might be a little too high for me. Uh, he's going to be 31 in July. Yes, he's coming off of an excellent season, but he was decidedly not excellent in 2022. And I think if you have Dak, you're maybe at least starting to think about a succession plan. If you're a, a dynasty manager and Dak is your primary guy, like, you don't in immediately need to grab a top quarterback, um, even if it's super flex, but maybe you're thinking about, I don't know, the Bo Nix and um, J.J. McCarthy types might be attractive to you if you're a DAC investor because you don't need them to produce right away. But you'd like to have a little something in place, I think, if, if DAC careens over the age cliff in the next couple of years. He's over four years younger than anybody else in this tier. So that is an interesting note. If I could if I could make you sort of the czar of our expert consensus rankings, Fitz, and you could only move one of those guys, would you rather move Jordan Love up in ECR or move Dak Prescott down? I would rather move Love up because I think he definitely deserves to be ahead of Kyler, Dak, and even Trevor Lawrence. What do you think about that, Boggs? Uh, I don't agree with the Jordan Love, uh, you know, raising him that high quite yet because everything we said about Jordan Love, right, or everything, excuse me, everything we said about C.J. Stroud is the same thing for Jordan Love, except for Jordan Love just did it on the back half of this year. He was unimpressive, like for the first six or seven weeks. And when he played against Pittsburgh and the Steelers beat the Packers, but that game, he made so many throws, and his guys dropped balls for him. I went, okay, maybe I need to look a little bit more into Jordan Love, and I didn't have to because he went on that tirade for the second half of the season. So he showed he showed us his potential. I don't know if I put him, uh, you know, ahead of the rushing upside of like a Kyler Murray and Trevor Lawrence quite yet. Uh, he has rushing upside as well uh, with those guys. But I, I look, I do the if I'm picking a guy that's uh, be, you know, below consensus where he should be, in my opinion, it's Justin Fields. And I think if Justin Fields is with Chicago or whoever he goes to, hopefully Pittsburgh, but wherever he goes, uh, I, I think the team is going to build around him. And I think we're going to see them play more to Justin Fields skills than we have with Chicago, which was kind of like, uh, all right, see if a guy's open and if not go run it. And that can be successful with a highly athletic guy like Justin Fields. But I think if you have a plan, it's going to be better. I would just like to see him in a different system. I like to see Caleb Williams in Chicago. Oh, my God, Caleb Williams and DJ Moore. I'm so excited for that. Uh, But, you know, I think Fields rushing upside just, you know, he has more rushing upside than anybody. And I think we're going to see it from wherever he goes next. I think if we're lowering a guy, that question I think I'm with Fitz. I think it is Dak, but to me, it's all because of age. 
you know, it's not so much because like, I don't care what he did two years ago. He's amazing this year. He had an MVP level season this season. So the skill is still there. As we all know, talking on the show, I'm more of a three window guy. Fitz is, you know, longer term than that. Um, so I think he can still have two really good years and then maybe he starts falling off in that third. So I do agree with Fitz. You have to have a plan behind him in case that, you know, an injury, maybe looks a little bit older, whatever the reasoning should be uh, for him to start falling off. I think he is at that age where you have to have a plan. And when you become a conditional player, I think you get lowered. So that was my my first thing that I did when ranking quarterbacks was lower Dak Prescott. Fitz Bogman kind of you know alluded to this when he talked about fields, but for this entire tier, team situation is very, very critical. Like you could go through and pretty much every name here make the case for why their fantasy situation, you know, can be improved or worsened just given the surrounding talent and coaching. Which of these guys do you feel best about the situation around them as it stands currently, Fitz? It might be love because he has this young group of pass catchers he's gonna get to keep in place for quite a while going forward. Like none of those wide receivers and tight ends are older than their second year in the league. Um, And then Purdy and Tua are in really good situations, obviously. I mean, in in some cases, well, maybe in the case of both of those guys, I actually like the situation more than the player themselves. So yeah, yeah. great, great situations in the here and now for both of those guys though. What do you think about that, Bob? Because the one, you know, I would agree with Fitz in terms of like obviously the offensive system and, you know, the superstar talent around those last two, Purdy and Tua, is amazing. Maybe like to whatever degree, sort of, you know, if if they are less settled on the quarterback, you could see Miami trying to make a move. I mean, I don't think we would say that with Purdy given the stats he just put up this year, but you could see how they could imagine in the future, you know, even maybe in the near future, like being able to improve upon that position. Does that weigh into kind of how you evaluate their situations at all? Yeah, I mean, I I think for me, I think maybe Trevor Lawrence doesn't have enough around him. And it's not in weapons, it's in coaching. I think Doug Peterson's system is fairly vanilla. I don't know. I, it's just, it's won a Super Bowl before, which is great. But also we saw Nick Foles go on the biggest heater of heaters in the history of the NFL. Maybe Joe Flacco's when the Ravens won was uh, a better heater than what Nick Foles went on. But I mean, that that stretch was incredible and it's keeping Doug Peterson employed right now. That's why he was fired from the Eagles. But it, it's Brock Purdy by 8 million miles here in terms of the situation because I think they like they threw like the least amount of passes beyond five yards and have the most yak of any team. Like all of these little stats show you how much talent is around Brock Purdy. And it's not like people think game manager is a scarlet letter. No, it's not. If you can get the ball to these amazing playmakers, you don't have to create with your legs. You don't have to do all these amazing things. Now, he got him behind, and he still helped them win with Detroit, too, which puts him in this tier. He's not just he's not a Trent Dilfer. He's much better than that. He's way better than we all gave him credit for going into the NFL draft for sure. But. I mean, if you took, where would you, you guys have Justin Fields? If you stuck him in San Francisco, right? Take Justin Fields and you put him with the Niners. He would be up in that top four. You would, I would bump him ahead of uh, Jalen Hurts for sure because of all that surrounding talent. So uh, I think in terms of, of team context, Brock Purdy gets a gigantic boost here. Yeah, one last point on this tier, and this relates to Purdy, and this also illustrates the rapidly changing nature of dynasty values. Um, About two months ago, late late November, I posted a poll on Twitter asking people which quarterback they'd prefer to have in dynasty. 
Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, or Sam Howell? Um, <laughs> at the time, 57% chose Purdy, and Love finished behind Sam Howell, 23.5% wow. for Howell and 19.5% for Love. And granted, that was right when Love was starting his great finishing kick, right at the beginning of it. But um, man, like, talk about how values have changed. <laughs> Howell is not going to get much mention on this show. He's not in these top four yeah. tiers. He's at the top of, of tier five. Um, in fact, we're done talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one other quick note on Purdy. Debro has him highest. He has him QB eight. The rest of the staff has him in that QB 13, 14 range. But Debro thinks he should be a top eight quarterback in Dynasty. Let's get to the C tier. It's the last one we're going to go deep on here for the quarterbacks. This runs from Jared Goff at QB 16. Then we have Deshaun Watson, Bryce Young, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, Will Levis, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Derek Carr at QB 27. Again, that's Goff at QB 16 through Carr at QB 27. A lot of names here. I want to ask specifically about Deshaun Watson. And Bogman, I'll start with you. How do you evaluate Deshaun Watson as a dynasty quarterback at this point in the career? We know what he's been before. We know the like raw talent. We haven't seen it in a long time. Obviously, the off-the-field stuff. Joe Flacco looks better in this offense this year, although Watson was really good in the last game he played this season, maybe shaking off the rest. There's just kind of so many factors here. How do you evaluate him right now? Too many red flags uh, for me. Uh, I just... Uh, you know, we're not here to be the moral police and all that stuff, but I, I just I don't believe that all of his legal troubles are done. I think we may see more uh, come out come out of that uh, guy has been injured so much. I think the I think the Browns might have an out of his gigantic contract after this season. There's there's something weird in there. It may there may have to be off the field stuff. I can't remember the exact details, but. I mean, we saw Joe Flacco come in here and take this team to the playoffs. It shouldn't be that hard. Guy can't stay on the field. He's got off the field stuff. I just want no part of Deshaun Watson. What do you think about Watson, uh, Fitz? Trying to get a handle on Watson's fantasy value, dynasty value. It's like trying to tie your shoes with boxing gloves on. Like you just can't figure it out. I mean, this is a guy who was a top five fantasy quarterback in his first three full years as a starter. And I just don't know if the passing acumen he displayed with the Texans is ever coming back because we haven't seen it in parts of two years in Cleveland. Um, it still provides a little bit of rushing value, although not quite as much as he did early in his career. And how much will they want him to keep running fits after this shoulder injury? You know, good point. Probably want to keep him in that pocket and not let him get hurt again. Good point. But if he's just not a very good passer and like he's uh, like I kind of ripped on Jalen Hurts and how he was as a passer in 2023. I mean, Hurts looked like Dan Marino compared to Deshaun Watson. So, man, I, I just don't know. Like I I would not want to be stuck with that hot potato in Dynasty. He, he's honestly. also he's going to be 29, you know, in that first week or two of next season. He's got a September birthday, but he'll be turning 29 you know, later this year. So. Getting close to 30 already. I mean, he, he, he was sort of out of out of sight, out of mind so long with the suspension and everything that you, you, he aged during those years, right? I mean, it's kind of, kind of you, you think of him as, <laughs> more as than younger. other guys, more than guys <laughs> yeah. that were playing, probably. Yeah. Um, this is a really interesting tier in terms of the age group. We have a couple of guys who were born in the 80s, Kirk Cousins, Stafford, obviously Aaron Rodgers, born in 83. He's the oldest guy in this tier. But then we have Bryce Young, who was born in the 2000s, so a wide range here. Fitz, you are the highest on Young, not by much. You've got him a couple spots higher than ECR, QB 16. What do you think his ceiling is after what was like clearly a tumultuous first year? 
Good question. I mean, that QB 16 is largely hope-based, Worm, and I will confess to that because his supporting cast was terrible this year. Uh, bad offensive line, not a lot of pass-catching weaponry. I mean, okay. historically bad O-line. Yep. They were off. Yep. And I don't know if he's ever going to become a star, but I, I'm still optimistic he could become a good NFL quarterback. Uh, not guaranteeing it, but like he could get there. It's certainly within his range of outcomes. I think it'd be foolish to completely disregard him after his bad rookie season when he had so many headwinds um, as as far as the supporting cast. Would you be making buy-low offers on him? What, what would that look like in your mind if you wanted to take uh, a swing there? You know, I, not really, because I, I don't think the investors are selling cheaply because they spent, uh, in super flex leagues, they spent a, a top two or three pick on him last year. Yeah, what, what what do you think about Bogman? Would you be you know at all interested in a potential bounce back, new coaching staff? You know, take a swing, send an offer at least as a buy low potential, or you think it's yeah, gonna I a hundred percent. I think I would. I think Fitz is right. I think most people are going. You know, all right, we're gonna get him a new coach. We're gonna fix the old line. We're gonna see what he can do after this. So I don't want to trade him too cheap. So I don't know if he will come at a cheap enough cost, but. I'm at least trying, I'm throwing an offer out there. Like if you're rostering Dak, you know what I mean? And you can get Bryce Young for cheap, maybe a young option for you. I think I'm trying that. If I have an older guy, if Kirk Cousins is my quarterback, you know what I mean? Like whoever it is, an older veteran, I'm going to see if I can make a move maybe for Bryce Young and get him cheap. There's a lot of, I think the draft picks are worth more for this draft than they are in other drafts as well. So maybe it costs you a lower draft pick than it will next year. Um, I think there's still a lot of upside for him. I am worried, um, not just because of what we saw last year, and I I will fully give him the, the excuse of the surrounding talent, and the coaching staff was just miserable in Carolina. It wasn't just one thing. It was multiple factors that added up to him being bad, but he also wasn't good. So, you know, a lot of the times we see – a good quarterback going to a bad situation to elevate it. He didn't do that either. So the shine is off of him a little bit, but I'm only one spot below uh, Fitzy here. So I am still, uh, I still have him in the top 20. Uh, I'm at 17. I'm still in on Bryce Young, and I think Canales can fix it, but I am worried because Canales went from QB coach to OC to head coach in three years. How much is that going to affect him how good is he going to be? We've seen plenty of these young guys make their first stop, and it's a disaster, right? I hope that's not the case with Canales, but it does worry me long term for Bryce Young. Yeah, I, the Canales is really interesting because I, I'm not sure what he'll be like as a head coach. I do think he'll do a good job with Bryce Young, though. I mean, we saw yes. resurgence for Geno Smith, resurgence for Baker Mayfield, Baker. both under yeah. under Canales' tutelage. So maybe we'll see that again. I want to ask about the other second-year player in this tier— Will Levis, could he be a dynasty buy low target? He went for cheaper in rookie drafts. He was a second round pick for most, maybe a late first in super flex. You know, most rookie drafts a year ago, they have an offensive head coach in, in Tennessee now. There's not an obvious guy that, you know, is going to be blocking him. He is, as of right now, kind of the future of that team. I don't know what their weapons are going to look like next year. Obviously, Derrick Henry moving on. But could he be a possible, you know, buy low dynasty target, Bogman? Yeah, I mean, he showed flashes last year. You saw some flashes of greatness. And it really felt like, you know, if you followed Will Levis, you saw this amazing sophomore season in Kentucky. He was so good. 
They really backed off in his junior year and he still came out. You know, it just looked like he was a guy playing for the NFL. And then, you know, obviously Tennessee was a complete disaster this year and the targets are not great. But you saw when he got going, he was at least smart with the football and was putting it, you know, I'm going to throw it to DeAndre Hopkins because he's the one guy on my team that can catch anything. So you saw him making the right decisions. I think we saw enough from Will Levis to say, all right, we're hitting the reset button. We're going to get this O-line fixed. Callahan's an offensive coach. I think I think the, the outlook of the future is very good for Will Levis. And he has a rocket arm. He's mobile. Like, it's just about fixing the pieces around him and, and you know, getting him a little on-the-job experience. And I think he's going to be a uh, potential buy low for sure. I really like investing in Will Levis. And he's like, if you can't get young because he's too expensive, try to go get Will Levis. That's what I would do if I'm looking for a young piece. Before we wrap up this tier, I want to ask about some of the veterans. Because like I said, I mean, you know, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, of course. Is there any veteran in this tier that stands out to you, Fitz, as a guy that has sort of the best chance for a late career resurgence? I mean, you know, obviously Rodgers coming off the injury. There was some hope for him last year, but he's the oldest here. Like, Carr is obviously not going to be very exciting to people. Russell Wilson may have had his last chance already. Like, to a degree, some of the guys that are veterans, I think, are kind of already going to be good. Like, Stafford, like, as long as his weapons are still there, we like. But is there a guy here that you think could have sort of a late career bounce back? Oh, you're not giving me very many sexy options here to choose from, Worm. Um, you know what? Like, can we count Daniel Jones as a veteran? I mean, and, yeah, and he's he's younger than those guys, but yeah, he's he's been around for a few years. I think that's fine. I mean, I feel like it's very contrarian to say a nice word about Daniel Jones, um, <laughs> but he does provide rushing value, and though his passing numbers have not been very pretty, he has never played with good wide receivers. Like, or a good O-line. Or a good offensive line, exactly. And I like Sterling Shepard is probably the best wide receiver he's ever played with. They they <laughs> tried to bring in Kenny Galladay, and how well did that go? Uh, not very. So give Danny Dimes a decent supporting cast, and let's see what he can do. Danny Dollars now yeah. he's paid. <laughs> maybe maybe Geno Smith. I mean, we'll see what McDonald does with the offensive coordinator in Seattle. But there's Stafford there's is the right there's, answer. Well, there, Stafford, I almost I almost don't even want to count. But he has like he, one year left, man. He's already, like, well, he's already even count. He's already still good though, too. Um, right. Yeah. But but I do think of the veterans, he's the guy I would most want to roster. I, I think Boggs. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so too, and, and I think. Uh, Kirk doesn't belong in there because he's too good as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think of those guys that you're talking about, my answer would probably just be no. Yeah. You know, it, maybe one year's top tops on Rogers. Uh, I'm not a big Geno guy. He's going to be replaced, uh, after Carol goes, Russell Wilson is dusted. I, Derek Carr hasn't been good for a long time. Yeah. So I would just say no yeah. on all those guys. I think, Reasonable I think Fitz was right to, to reach for uh, Danny yeah. Dimes. Cause that's what I was going to do. If I was that exact same question, I'm in the same boat with Fitz. I, I think, I think Danny Dimes can, uh, have a little bit of a resurgence here and everyone thinks he's dead in the water. Maybe yeah. it feels like, it feels like reaching for a life preserver made out of lead. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Also, obviously, we got positive news on Jared Goff getting Ben Johnson back. So that's going to be really good, at least for, for the next year that he's at the top of the tier, not in the same conversation as those vets. But he will be turning 30 later this uh, this year. So he's been around for a while as well. Let's get to some rookie talk here. Really interesting rookie quarterback class. It's a year where you want to have early picks in Superflex because maybe as many as three of the top four picks are going to be pretty highly tied quarterbacks. You know, we'll kind of see. We'll have some rookie mock drafts coming up on future shows later this month with the three of us. Obviously, the guy you have to start with is Caleb Williams. 
Fitz, where should Caleb Williams be ranked in Dynasty, assuming he goes number one overall to Chicago? I will slot him in at number six, QB six behind Anthony Richardson and ahead of Jalen Hurts. The the Hurts slander continues. I mean, he's just, I'm so excited. I think his ability to make plays out of structure is really going to play well in the NFL. But I also think he's good enough uh, with his arm to be able to murder people from in the pocket. And the, he's absolutely going to provide a lot of rushing value, too. So I, I think he's going to hit the ground running and, you know, has a chance to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback right from the start. Would you feel weird, Fitz, like in a dynasty startup, taking a guy who's never played a snap it, with your first round pick, assuming it's super flex? Because usually the top six quarterbacks are going in the first rounds of a dynasty startup. So if oh, you in have a dynasty there, startup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I think he's a first rounder in a dynasty startup. Yeah. No question. If, if the rookies are lumped in with the vets. Yeah, he's a first yeah. rounder. Bogman, what do you think? At four. I'd four. have him at four. I wow. would have him. I had a Jalen Hurts and behind those are the top three guys. I mean, uh, just the plays that he can make. He's not perfect. And I think we've all learned from Trevor Lawrence, right? Uh, maybe don't put a guy all the way up at number one or number two, but I mean, what more do we need to see from this guy? I don't care that he had no defense at USC, right? Like, like, well, he's seven and five at USC. Lincoln Riley cannot coach defense. I think everybody knows that everyone who watched him in Oklahoma, he can't coach defense. He's an offensive guy only. And Caleb Williams can win you games. I'm super excited to see him in Chicago. And I think if you're Chicago, I, I love Justin Fields. And I sat here and, and said, I hope the Steelers trade for Justin Fields, right? Like, I hope that happens. I think he's very good. But you reset the clock. He's younger. You can build more around him. He can do more than Justin Fields. Uh, he's so good. And I'm super excited to see him at the next level. So he would be four for me right now. I think I would split the difference and put him five. I think I'd have that kind of that obvious That's top. fair. I think that obvious top three, and then I, I think I would have Stroud ahead of him. Just it was so remarkable what we saw from him, and then I'd have him right there behind him, but ahead of like a Richardson, ahead of a Hertz. I think I'd kind of put him, you know, splitting the difference between the two of you. Um, what about Drake May and now Jaden Daniels? I think coming into the season, it was a lot of like 1A, 1B between Caleb Williams and Drake May, and now it's seeming more and more likely that it is just the one is Caleb Williams, maybe 2A, 2B between May and Jane Daniels. We saw Mel Kuyper had Daniels going higher in the draft than May. Obviously, a lot of people still really like May. Bogman, how are you kind of squaring the differences between those two guys? ABC here, man. Like, I, I would put Williams ahead of those guys. So I will still have Stroud ahead of those guys as well. Probably Burrow, too. Um, just because we've seen so much from Burrow already, just needs to stay on the field. So for me, I put Drake May and Jaden Daniels right behind those guys, probably six, seven. I mean, you know, Drake May is so close to Caleb. I think Caleb does more, like Fitz said, out of structure. Um, but I think May is better in the pocket, but he can move as well. Jaden Daniels gives you so much upside for fantasy in rushing. And this is kind of what we saw coming into last year where it's like, okay, we know Bryce Young is the better QB. We know Stroud is the better, you know, passer, but it's got to be Richardson at one because of this rushing upside. I think that's what we're getting from Jaden Daniels. So I have no qualms with him being two behind Caleb Williams and people putting him ahead of Drake May. But I think, uh, I think Drake May is definitely going to still go two, and I think Daniels is the third guy off the board, third QB off the board. I don't know if he goes three. I think he should, but who knows what New England's going to do. Uh, new regime there. So uh, that that that's how I would see those guys still in the top ten. What what, what do you think, uh, Fitz? Would these guys also maybe be first round picks in like a dynasty startup super flex draft? 
not for me. So Boggs, you're like slotting these guys in ahead of Jordan Love, Trevor Lawrence. Um, uh, Trevor Lawrence is tough for me. I'm still gonna put them ahead of Love. I'm just and I like Love, and he was great down the stretch. I just think in terms of upside, I think these guys offer you more. So I think I would put them ahead of Love. I mean, I like them both. I'm I'm bullish on them, but I think I'm only going to slot them in maybe around somewhere QB 13, QB 14 after they're drafted, not in the, not in the QB one range. Um, and I, I like may a little bit more just because I'm sold on him as a passer. Like I saw enough of him at, at North Carolina to think he's going to be a, a good, at least an average, if not an above average NFL passer. I don't know that about Daniels yet, but obviously Daniels rushing potential is intoxicating. Um, I, I just don't and he know. He was so much better at LSU. I mean, just the, the difference, because I was kind of like, all right, LSU, you're going to take Jaden Daniels. I mean, he's fine. But uh, what he did this year was unbelievable. And he, he so throws crazy. a pretty deep ball, too. But I just don't yeah. know if he like may can kind of do whatever you need him to do, like change his arm slot to make completions through, you know, like a sea of, of arms in front of him. And um, like, I just don't know if Daniels has the sort of versatility as a passer that May brings to the table. But as a runner. I mean, it's. I'm excited to see like how many rushing yards he can put up in a single season. Like, I don't know if he's going to challenge Lamar Jackson for the rushing crown among quarterbacks, <laughs> but he's in the next tier down. I think. J- Jaden Daniels like basically single handedly knocked me out of the uh, you know campus side of my campus to Canton playoffs this year with <laughs> with about seventy points in a single game. I just Oof. he just threw it, run it, just super, super talented and was really, really dominant this year. Um, Quickly, I think these are the right names for the next three guys. Correct me if I'm wrong, but how would we rank Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy, and Bo Nix and sort of where are those guys falling in your dynasty overall rankings, Bogman? Uh, For me, go uh, Penix, Nix, and McCarthy. So um, uh, Penix is a guy that uh, last year I was still kind of down on because I saw him play a lot of Indiana and then he got hurt. And I was like, I just don't know. Like, I he's a lefty, too, which is weird for the NFL. Obviously, I saw him drum my Longhorns right out of the playoffs. So I'm in on Michael Penix. I mean, the dude can uh, make any throw you need downfield. He is so good. He's just, he, he's had an injury history, um, and he's not very mobile at all. So I think he proved, kind of like C.J. Stroud did against Georgia, I think he proved he can move a little bit against Texas, but he got beat up against Michigan and um, you know, he has to be down the board a little bit from those other guys. So uh, I, but I still have him ahead of Bo Nix. Bo Nix is inconsistent. McCarthy. I just, I don't know. We, we, Michigan doesn't throw the ball that much. You know what I mean? Like McCarthy may be really good, but is he going to get drafted and be the backup to uh, Justin Herbert for the next decade? Because they have just, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh coaching there now. I I don't know how far McCarthy's going to fall and I don't know what his opportunity is going to be. I think both Penix and Nick start at some point next year by whoever drafts them. Fitz, what do you think about those three? Yeah, Penix pretty clearly above the other two. And um, for the other two, I, I've got McCarthy a little ahead of Nick's. I don't feel strongly about it, but Boggs uh, used the key phrase, I don't know. And I think Nick's and McCarthy both have key I don't knows. And I'm a little less wor- worried about McCarthy's and just that they didn't need him to, to do much. Um, Nick's is, I don't know, is I don't know why he was so disappointing at Auburn and didn't really come out until he went to uh, Oregon as an, an older player. Um, mostly facing guys who were younger than him uh, every Saturday. So, 
Yeah, I mean, like, I've got all these guys. They're probably going to fall in the QB 22 to QB 28 range or so for me after the draft and when I slot these guys in. Um, and, like, round one draft capital would help for sure. Like, if, if McCarthy goes in the first and Knicks hangs around till the mid-second or vice versa, sure. that would influence my my board with those two for sure. Probably whoever gets drafted higher, I will rate higher. It, it's a total cop-out, but I don't feel strongly <laughs> enough about those two to... That's fair, though. I I think it's fair. You know, the, if you drafted higher, you are... looked at, Look at how many times first-round picks at quarterback get, you know, a, a second chance, a third chance, right? Even Mitch Trubisky uh, with Pittsburgh, Marcus Mariota, right? We've seen all of these first-round guys get second chances, so it does make them worth more long-term. I was thinking about asking, uh, just having some fun questions with these tier five quarterbacks, um, but we need to move on to tight end. So I'm not going to waste They're your time trash. with questions about Jimmy G <laughs> or Ryan Tannehill or trash. Kenny Pickett. Sorry. Uh, sorry there, trash. Bogman. Uh, let's go to That's the fine. Dynasty tight end tiers. Again, as a reminder, fantasypros.com slash rankings. You can find our early 2024 consensus rankings and tiers. You can also navigate to the Dynasty rankings from that link, fantasypros.com slash rankings. Once again, we will wrap up with some rookies here as we get to the end of the tight end section. But let's start, as we always do, with the S tier. This is a really interesting one, I thought. Again, four names. Number one, Sam Laporta. Number two, Trey McBride. Number three, Mark Andrews. Number four, Dalton Kincaid. So definitely a youth movement here. No Travis Kelsey for the first time in however many years it's been. Fitz, what's your early takeaway from this top four names? That Laporta and McBride are the only guys who should be true locks for the S tier. And um, not that Andrews and Kincaid don't belong, but I think you could make a case of any case for any of five other tight ends besides Laporta and McBride. All have a reasonable argument to be included in the S tier or it could easily slide down a tier. Yeah, Bogman, uh, you know, Fitz kind of just answered this already. I was going to ask, besides Andrews, who's kind of the obvious pick given his age, which tight end do you feel worse about in this tier? Do you agree that it's Dalton Kincaid? It has to be. I mean, because how can you not feel good about Laporta and McBride, right? And I think, um, you know, I'm a shorter window guy, and Kelsey is still in redraft. He's probably still going to be my uh, tight end one. So I don't mind if you were to say, hey, I want Kelsey because he offers – just a higher ceiling than the rest of these guys. Cause we've seen what he's doing, but he also could retire after the super bowl. So, you know, that is where we're at with, that's the only reason Kelsey isn't in this tier is because we don't know how long his career, even me, I'm a three-year window guy. I don't know if we're getting another year out of him. If they get another ring, he might be done. He might go, you know, hanging out with Taylor Swift, uh, on, on tour for the, uh, you know, the rest of his time. So I, I don't know what he's doing. Laporta was so good this year. Uh, Hawkinson's injury is the only reason he's not in this year, I think. So, um, yeah, I think it's got to be Kincaid just because we haven't seen him take that big leap. And Dawson Knox is still there and still a weapon that Josh Allen likes throwing the ball to. So I don't really know that Kincaid belongs in this tier. I would uh, have the other three guys in there. If Knox wasn't around, would you feel differently? I mean, I know he is around, but. Yeah, I I no, I wouldn't. And, and the reason I wouldn't is because I still think like I think Knox could go away this year, but. Kincaid had a chance to be the number two this year and he didn't do it, you know, and that's a big part of it. Do they go add somebody? Do they go get T Higgins? Do they spend a first round pick on a big play wide receiver or, you know, um, 
a, a big running back or so just another offensive weapon uh, do they bring in there? So, no, I don't think it would change my answer, really, because he had an opportunity to step up and be the guy this year, and he didn't, and Laporta did. So Laporta's got to be way ahead of Kincaid, in, in my opinion, and I did not have them that way coming in. I had Kincaid at one, and it did not work. So, But I had Laporta higher than anybody else, so. Fitz, I kind of think the answer to this question is no, but is there any case for McBride over Laporta or is Laporta just like the easiest consensus here? Because among our staff, he is consensus one for everybody. I can't make that case, especially with the possibility that the Cardinals draft Marvin Harrison Jr., which would, uh, you know, McBride benefited from the lack of uh, wide receiver production in Arizona this year. No question about it. So assuming they're going to add some wide receivers, I think that might take a little bit of the shine off McBride. And we just saw Laporta, you know, he's already got a fantastic receiver with him and he still rocked out despite Amon Ra St. Brown being a, a 100 catch guy. So um, no questions with Laporta, just a, a few with McBride. Uh, quickly, before moving off this tier, Bogman, um, Mark Andrews, like, obviously is still really good and he's not like that old or anything yet. You know, he's under 30, but... Isaiah likely looked really good while Andrews was out this year. Does that impact your ranking of him at all? Isaiah likely doesn't, but it's the injuries for me. And the fact that, you know, he's a little bit longer in the tooth than these other guys is really the thing. I mean, I've been a Mark Andrews guy, even though he went to Oklahoma, he did graduate from my high school. Uh, So I've, I've always been a Mark Andrews guy. He is, uh, you know, at my local bar, they've got his jersey up there. So he's a stud. Uh, I, I really, I've rostered him, I think, on every single one of my dynasty leagues anyway. But um, yeah, he has to be below those guys just because of his injury history recently. I didn't uh, I didn't even think about that. OU and a Raven is like got to be the worst combo for you. I know. Uh, Laporta, by the way, also the youngest guy, you know, the most most productive last year. Also, the only guy of those four who was born in the 2000s. He was born in 2001. Uh, So he just had his birthday actually last month. Uh, Let's go to the A tier here. This is five through nine. TJ Hawkinson, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, David Njoku, George Kittle. Is there a case to be made that maybe Hawkinson and Kelsey should be even lower given injury and age if you're taking the long-term view? At least I know, Bogman, you said you like the short-term view, but could you make the case that those two guys are maybe even too highly ranked? No, because there's no one that's pushing them to me. Hawkinson had such a good year. I mean, 127 targets, uh, 95 catches, so good. And Kelsey is still just, he's still the best tight end in the league. So I I can't lower those guys, even with Hawkinson's injury and Kelsey's age. I can't do it. I, I kind of disagree that there's nobody pushing them. I know Fitz does because he has Kyle Pitts in the top four of his tight end rankings. We obviously don't know the quarterback in Atlanta moving forward. You know, we'll, we'll see what they do. But we do know the coaches now. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are really excited about the offensive you know coordinator hire in Zach Robinson. Obviously, Raheem Morris has a lot of fans around the league, despite the fact that he struggled in his first time as a head coach. Fitz, what kind of leap do you think Kyle Pitts can make this season now that Arthur Smith is not in Atlanta? A huge leap. He was the first rookie tight end to have 1,000 receiving yards since Mike Ditka 60 years earlier. And Arthur Smith is gone, and presumably the Falcons' new play caller is going to make more of an effort to get the ball into the hands of Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and B. John Robinson. Um, And I'm not sure Pitts was 100% physically right in 2023, 
tore his MCL in 2022, and then we found out that he also had damaged his PCL, uh, which wasn't reported at the time. So he should be completely healthy in 2024 and isn't going to have a play caller hell-bent on getting Jonu Smith targets, which is going to be nice. Um, can can we stay on Kelsey for one second? But like, Bugs, the reason I couldn't possibly have Kelsey ahead of Pitts right now, like we don't know if Kelsey is going to play anymore. Like I think he probably does not retire but it's definitely a non-zero chance of him retiring. And I mean, if, if someone came to you in a super flex league, you're holding Kelsey and offered you pick 112, would you take it for um, Kelsey? Like, I'd, I'd take that in a heartbeat. I, I see it, but I mean, do I have a complete team? Is the rest of my team complete? Because at that point, if I'm pushing right now, I want to sure. win. It's still about winning. You know, even if Kelsey only plays one more year, if it's championship year, I don't care. Give give me that production. Um, look, I just my my concern with Pitts isn't his skill. His skill is great. It's who is the quarterback, you know, who is going to be throwing him the football because and, you know, we, we say, okay, well, someone new is going to come in and they're going to use the weapons. Sure. But does that mean Drake London's going to get some touchdowns? Does it mean Bijan is going to be your goal line guy scoring 15? Like, or is Algier going to get 15? Are they going to do something weird? I just don't know what it looks like yet. I know Kelsey's a stud and uh, I know he's older, but I also know the difference that he can make at that position. He can give you so much more than anybody else if he's used correctly and he's healthy. So I just can't do it. I haven't seen Pitts do it yet. I don't know who the quarterback is there, and I don't know, you know, they, they still have uh, time to add weapons too. So I don't know. I think the shine is off Pitts a, a little bit. Still an incredible athlete, still a very good tight end, but I just, um, it depends on my situation. If I'm a mid-tier team, I'm instantly trading Kelsey for Pitts because he offers me at least three or four more seasons, right? Tight ends also the most brutal position in the NFL. I feel like well, to, these guys you get hit on every play and then they have to go make a play and then get hit hard by a safety too. They get hit by the big guys and the little guys to, to that point. So Bogman puts together this really comprehensive, you know, spreadsheet with staff rankings and, you know, fancy points per game, all this stuff and date of birth for every position that we go through on these shows does a great job with it. I just scrolled through. You have something like 60 names in here amongst the tight ends, Bogman. Kelsey is the only one who was born in the 80s. Everybody yeah. else is 90s or, or the 2000s. So that just speaks to it's really hard to stay relevant at this position this late. We have, Everybody knows like when the cliff comes, it usually comes fast. Even, even if Kelsey doesn't retire, I would still be hesitant next season. I think this year, like I know statistically like he still was very productive relative to the position, but there was a lot of like – he turned it on when he needed to and kind of kept it off for large stretches. He was not the same guy. And, yeah, and I, I, I'm yeah. saying that that's because of injuries, because we saw what he did in the AFC Championship game. He yeah. could not be stopped, right? So he still has that in him. Does he have it in him for a season, or are we just getting playoff glimpses? That, that's, like, that I, I is think the that's question. What we'll I think if he comes back next year, I think we see a worse regular season, kind of like you know late-era Gronk, like with the Patriots, saying, like, like you're, you're really around for the for the playoffs, and like we're going to save you. You, you. We don't want you taking these kind of hits during the season. So I would be worried about that. Uh, and yeah, and he could have a normal season or a worse season than he had this year and still be better than Pitts. Pitts yeah. averaged less than seven points a game uh, last year. So I'm just, you know, I don't think Pitts is going to be this bad again, but Kelsey 
still offers so much upside, and he's still the number one target for the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, that, so that's fair. I, uh, I, it's just hard to not like. I him. do think definitively, like of these five names, Pitts is the guy with the best chance of being in the S tier a year from now because the path to it is so clear. Improvement in a quarterback actually use the guy. He's almost certainly going to be, <laughs> yeah. you know, significantly higher if both of those happen. Let's go to the B tier here. Uh, you know, tight end starts to get a little less interesting, you know, past the top, you know, unlike quarterback, which is why we spent a little more time in that position. But still some intriguing names here in the third tier. Evan Ingram at tight end 10, then Jake Ferguson, Dallas Goddard, Cole Komet, Pat, Pat Fryermuth, excuse me, and Michael Mayer. So, Bogman, I'll start with you here. Any of these guys stand out as like particularly interesting? I think, you know, Michael Mayer, maybe a second year leap here. We, we we saw so many rookie tight ends do really well last year. Usually it does take a year or two to get adjusted. Could he be a guy that stands out? Yeah, I mean, Michael Mayer uh, was huge co- coming into the league. And he was, he's such a complete tight end. We know that the Raiders were just a mess. Just a, Josh McDaniels, the worst hire. Such a bad hire. And, uh, you know, then Mayer got banged up. And then they went to Aiden O'Connell instead of Jimmy G. And I don't know. That's, you know, I they're both bad. So it doesn't really matter. I think Aiden O'Connell is safer with the ball. Jimmy G can make bigger plays. I don't think that there's that. They're kind of Spider-Man meme, like Trubisky and Pickett, in my opinion, uh, pointing at each other. You don't really care. They're both bad, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I think let's get a new QB in there. Let's get a new offensive system in there. Let's have Mayer be on the field for most of the snaps and push Hooper to the bench. And he takes a big, big... I think the biggest step of any tight end could be mayor this year. So I think that's a great call out by you worm. Uh, I think mayor is definitely very intriguing. Yeah. I, I, he sort of gets kind of forgotten, right? Fits because of what we saw from Laporta and because of what we saw with the breakout from McBride and because Dalton Kincaid had flashes that mayor really, I think kind of is sliding under the radar right now. He's the youngest guy on this list of, you know, 60 tight ends that, that was put together. He's the youngest. And, we see the second-year leap for tight end a lot. Do you think he could take a big jump? He could. I mean, he had to play most of his rookie year with a fourth-round rookie at quarterback for most of the season for the Raiders. But, uh, Boggs, I got to put your feet to the fire on something, though. I mean, you were such okay. a huge Luke Musgrave guy last year, and I believe you mm-hmm. had Musgrave ahead of Michael Mayer last year. Are, are you only— are you ranking Mayer ahead of Musgrave just because of the presence of Tucker Craft in Green Bay? That's exactly right. Yep. Okay. No, I, I okay. Tucker Craft was so good, and that was the. I, I like how uh, Fitz gets mad at me about his Packers guys. <laughs> by the way, uh, but but yeah, look, um, and that was kind of what I worried about with Musgrave and Craft coming in, right? Because we caught we saw the same deal with Wormley's Ravens when they drafted uh, Andrews and Hayden Hurst. Hurst was the first guy, but he's clearly brought in to block. I, with Musgrave and Kraft, uh, at that point, I knew I was like, oh, I was all over Mark Andrews. Andrews is going to be the receiving tight end. That's the guy you get. This one, I like Musgrave, but when they drafted Kraft, I went, they kind of do the same thing. And Kraft did what Musgrave did better when Musgrave was hurt. So what is that going to look like? Are we looking like a dual tight ends? Because like you mentioned in the wide receiver episode, Fitz, Packers have all these good young wide receiving weapons too. So I just feel like those guys both could be more inconsistent. I don't think there's anyone threatening Mayer uh, coming into this season. You know, maybe they draft someone, maybe they sign someone, but right now as it stands, no one is threatening Mayer. It should be a wide open Mayer wins this job. He is the guy for the Raiders. 
With Packers, I don't know. So that's why I have Mayer one spot ahead. And I'm not getting mad about you because it's Packer-related, Boggs, but you were the biggest Musgrave advocate going into the draft of anyone I'd heard from. And I still like him. I I still really like Musgrave. I just... Him and Kraft, I I feel it like it's going to be inconsistent. Hopefully, one Fair. of them pulls away. Yeah, the, the, those guys are in the next tier, still sticking in this third tier. Like we are in the top three tiers still of the position, but I find myself looking at these names and not feeling particularly good about any of them. Like I feel like there's a lot of them. It's like, oh, I see the path where this could work out, but there's none of them that I'm like really excited. If this is my tight end one in dynasty am i wrong are there any names that do stand out you know like fitz i see that you are highest on ferguson you've got him as tight end nine That's Wisconsin Homer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean talking about you know kind of sticking with your guys is there a case to be made that i should feel like really happy if i have him or is it just kind of best of this tier i mean i don't think he's a long-term anchor necessarily for you at the position but his second nfl season he had 71 catches for 761 yards and um like the wisconsin background help because he had to be their leading pass catcher i think for all but <laughs> yeah. one of his years in college just like the iowa guys right Fitzy? exactly the, the big had, 10 guys yeah <laughs> wisconsin had no talent at wide receiver when uh other than i think maybe his first year like quintez cephas had a good season for wisconsin but um yeah so i'm like optimistic about ferguson long term like cautiously optimistic boggs you're highest in this group on dalton schultz you got him tight in 14 a few spots higher than anybody else Man, I don't even like Dalton Schultz either. I feel like well, that but, goes to uh, speak to I, the position, right? I mean, there's it you got to put somebody at fourteen. It does, and the reason, and the same thing, and I'm higher on Ferguson than I am on Schultz, and I I text with Fitzy many a time because I know he loves Ferguson. When Ferguson makes a big play, and I'm watching it, I'll just text him and be like, "Man, Ferguson, so much better than Dalton Schultz, so much more athletic." <laughs> Dalton Schultz is a jag, as in terms of uh, athleticism. I don't think he's going to do a lot for you, but he knows where to be. Stroud looks to be a guy that really likes throwing to the tight end. Now that they allow him, you know, at Ohio state, the too many weapons on the outside, you're not throwing over the middle, but Dalton Schultz came open a lot. He sticks with the play. Uh, he was kind of a safety blanket for CJ Stroud. So that's why I like Schultz. They gave him the big deal. He's going to be there for a while. He's part of this growing process for CJ Stroud. So, you know, athletically, uh, in terms, if he was in a different situation, I probably would not like Schultz, but CJ Stroud was so good and, uh, Schultz really liked, uh, getting the ball from him. So I, I, I have him, but you're right, Worm. It is, this position is kind of, it gets ugly after those first two tiers. I feel like, well, it's about to get uglier cause we're moving to the C tier. Uh, this goes from tight end 16 through 27. Isaiah likely, uh, Dalton Schultz is actually kind of, um, down here. You, you, we have him higher in our staff rankings, which is why I mentioned him, but in the expert consensus, he's lower. So likely Dalton Schultz, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, Darren Waller, Chiga Conquo, Cade Otten, Juwan Johnson, Craig Dulcich, Gerald Everett, Taysom Hill, Noah Fant. Why am I still reading these names? I mean, it just, <laughs> it's a black hole late. Um, those first few are kind of interesting. And I was actually going to ask, you guys kind of, you know, talked about it already with Kraft and Musgrave in the same, you know, tight end room. I'll throw Likely in there as well because he's in the same tight end room as Mark Andrews. But do you see any of those three as being able to rise above those crowded positions, you know, in their respective teams? Or are their ceilings all just kind of going to be kept a little lower because of the competition on their own roster fits? 
Boggs alluded to this. It's going to be a tough situation for Musgrave and Kraft because they are going to be yoked together for the foreseeable future, coming in together as rookies. So um, they're they're not going to be decoupled anytime soon, whereas I think likely has a chance to get out of Mark Andrews' shadow a little earlier because Andrews is older and likely is uh, a little bit closer to free agency than the Packers' two tight ends are. So I think likely is the guy who could maybe escape uh, this grouping and climb into another tier because, like, he's really good. I mean, he has a bright future. We've seen it when he's been forced to take on a bigger role. It would be nice if he eventually got a gig as a, a tight end one somewhere. I don't think I, I had marked this down, but Fitz, I'm looking now. You have a tight end 13, so just barely outside the top 12, right? Yeah, every time he gets a chance, he produces. Yeah, he's I mean, he's really he's really fun to watch, too. Like he was actually like a sneaky, huge key for the Ravens team in the second half of the season to lose Andrews and not miss a beat offensively. Like a ton of credit goes to likely. And he was a second year, you know, kind of breakout guy, like uber athletic. Like he he actually also like Andrews was the second tight end in his own draft class because Charlie Kohler was drafted ahead of him by the Ravens in the same round. But likely is the guy who's I mean, Kohler's, you know, a fine player, all around guy, but likely is the guy who's a blocker. What Um, what is it with the Ravens and tight ends? I mean, they took Hayden Hurst before Lamar Jackson. Uh, Like, (laughs) yeah, they do things in strange order. Everybody everybody always talks about that. Like, oh, they didn't even know Lamar Jackson was that good. Like, yeah, sure. To a degree. I don't know that they expected multiple MVPs or whatever, but I think they also (sighs) thought Lamar was falling. Like, there's some degree of reading the room and like knowing who you can get later. They did the (laughs) same thing with Orlando Brown Jr., where. They talked how they really liked him as high as they did, but they knew they could wait till the third to get him. So let's, you know, let's show some respect to uh, how the Ravens work the draft room. All right. Hey, look, I, the, the Ravens have the most respect from me. You can watch me during the NFL draft. Yeah. I always live stream during it. And I always hate, I'm like, the Ravens are going to just sit where they are and get the best player. Tyler Linderbaum and Kyle Hamilton yeah. two years ago was just, it's infuriating. Oh, yeah. It made me so <laughs> mad because I'm a Steelers fan. They're just going to sit there and get your, the, one of the best safeties in the league and then your center for the next decade uh, who might be the best center in the league. Yeah. So the, the Steelers have definitely had plenty of picks over the years where I'm like, I wanted yeah, the Ravens to take him. Uh, and yeah. there he goes. Um, good organizations yeah, uh, do good yeah. things. So, um, Fitz, I, I do want to ask, you are the highest on Cade Otten in this tier by a few spots. Um, obviously, they lose you know, their play caller here, but Baker Mayfield did you know, take a step forward or at least a bit of a, a bounce back here this past season. Do you like what you've seen out of Otten? Or again, just kind of you got to rank somebody in the top 20. That's kind of it. It's it's the latter. I would not mistake that ranking for legitimate enthusiasm worm. I, I am not sitting at my computer at 2 a.m. sending yeah. out trade offers for Kate Otten. Um, it's a decent tight end prospect. Um, yeah, maybe he can grow into a bigger role. Sure. All right, let's get to the rookies here because I think that's a little more interesting than, you know, the Noah fans of the world or, or, or what have you. Um, and I say rookies, I really just mean the rookie here because Brock Bowers Ooh. is the guy to talk about. So I just want to ask, you know, really own in on him. Boggs, what is Bowers' ideal landing spot in your mind? Where do you think he's going to end up going in this draft? Is he Ooh. a top five pick, top 10? And is there a landing spot you want to see him avoid in the draft? I I don't know um, Atlanta you know yeah. <laughs> uh, that we we know what they do to tight ends so um, I don't know that I have a particular place I want him to land because it doesn't matter he is going to be at least the number two option for wherever he lands he is so good it's hard to not have him as the number one tight end already 
I don't think he can do that um, just because he hasn't played it down in the NFL yet, but he is going to be very, very good. This is a generational tight end. I, I guess I'm a little... I'm a little break pumpy on Brock Bowers because I was all like, I was all in on Kyle Pitts too, and it didn't work out. But I think Bowers, I think Bowers is probably the second best pass catcher already in this class. I think it's Marvin Harrison one and Bowers has got to be two or three. So good. And he's so good with the ball in his hands too. He reminds me of like faster Jeremy Shockey. He just, he looks so unbelievable and it's going to be, He's going to be a top 10 pick. I don't see how he falls further than that, but I don't have a particularly. Yeah, I don't. I haven't honed in on a, a spot for him yet. It doesn't matter. He's going to be good wherever he goes. I, I'm really glad you mentioned Pitts because I wanted to. I mean, we're three years you know, removed from, hey, we had this generational tight end prospect and now we already have another one. And that one had a great rookie season, but obviously hasn't panned out in large part due to the landing spot. Fitz, is the Kyle Pitts experience kind of weighing on your mind at all as you try to rank Bowers? No, I don't think so. The only thing I'm trying to decide is where I put him vis-a-vis Sam Laporta and Trey McBride. Like right. he's, he's top three for sure. And I think there's a good case to be made that he should go number one with a bullet right away. Um, and let's see him land with the chargers at number five, where he's getting mocked a lot lately and pair him with Justin Herbert. Let's, let's not see him slide past five and go to the giants at six or the Titans at seven. Uh, no, thanks. No, thanks on that. And by the way, when- I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind him in Tennessee with Callahan there. Right. I don't want him with Jim Harbaugh in L.A., though. Like they, they may turn into a power running game yeah, and I uh, think good point. you think they're, you know, doing that running that caveman offense that he ran at Michigan. Maybe he's different in the NFL. Obviously, he opened things up for Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. Yeah, he, he didn't have he, a Justin Harbaugh's Herbert level quarterback at Michigan, too. That's so. true. Yeah, worm, true. Worm, there is one other T.E. prospect we have to at least give a brief mention to. And I'm not the guy to do that because he played at the University of Texas. So <laughs> Jatavian Sanders, my guy. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to come in and be a stud. He's going to be definitely a pass catcher. He's a little undersized. But, you know, uh, this guy, he's got some speed. He sticks with the play as well. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. He breaks tackles. Um, yeah, Jatavian Sanders is number two. After that, I mean, Fitz, who do you have at three? It's oh. bad. The class is bad after the top two. And really, it's, and I love Sanders, but it's Bowers by a lot because of how good he is. And then Sanders is like, I don't know. Where didn't you do an all rookie draft already? I did. Maybe Pitts? maybe I had the the Senate kid, Ben Senate. Is that his name? Ben, uh, ben Sanat from Sanat. Uh, uh, K State. Yeah, yeah. it, I, may, I it think might he be was three. I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but where did Sanders go? Was he in the late second, early third? Oh man, I think I might have had him early third, but n- now I'm starting to think maybe he should get pushed up a little just because of the tight end scarcity in this draft. And he is a really good prospect. Like I, he's gonna. Yeah. Wh- where would you put him amongst all tight ends? Like in uh, some sort of startup? Mm. Like you talked about, Bowers is really high. Is he a top twenty dynasty tight end right now? Or I'd put him at twenty. I'd put him behind Kraft. Where I have Kraft at nineteen, I'd put Sanders at twenty. I'd have him ahead of like a Conquo. Uh, some of the older guys, Dulkich, uh, Jelani Woods, Conklin, those dudes. And, uh, but I would have him behind Kraft and Likely. Yeah, that's a good spot from in the middle of the C tier. I agree. Uh, Bogsman, I, I don't remember if I you actually said this. Uh, so Fitz said, you know, tier one for Bowers. Wh- where did you say you would have Bowers sliding in right now? I, I, I think three. 
three right now. I think I'd have him behind McBride, but I mean, I mean, especially after what we just saw from like Laporta, you, okay. We've seen a rookie come in and be amazing. And Bowers by all accounts is a better as a prospect than Laporta was, even though Laporta was really highly regarded. So that's true. I mean, you get a tight end going top five, like it's seemingly very, very on the table. You have to respond to that. So look, I don't, I would put him in that tier and putting him in that tier means if he goes one, he goes one. I don't, that is fine. Like that is not crazy. I think if you reach, that's why we have the tiers, right? So if you reach down and took someone from the A tier ahead of him, I would be like, what are you doing? You know, but if you put him at one, I, it's not crazy. It's absolutely not crazy. It might be the right spot for him. I just have a hard time doing it after what we saw from McBride and Laporta and knowing both those guys are also young. That That's all. That's And that is all related back to Kyle Pitts because I was, look, Kyle Pitts is going to come in. The only guys you have to put ahead of him are Kelsey and Andrews. And I think that was true for his rookie here. But since, it's been garbage. So uh, that is, you know, it's learning from experience, I feel like, is doing that. And maybe I'm uh, overvaluing that experience a little bit. It could be. You mentioned that he's maybe the second best pass catcher, you know, in this class, regardless of position. I remember Daniel Jeremiah in the Kyle Pitts year said, don't worry that he's a tight end. Pretend he's a wide receiver and he's the number one wide receiver on the board. Obviously, that hasn't quite panned out the same way, but you know that was kind of how he approached the last generational prospect. You can kind of see Bowers in the same light if you say, I mean, obviously Harrison is Harrison, but you know, don't think about him as, oh, he's a tight end, therefore he could bust easily because Kyle Pitts did. He's just a great pass catcher and an elite guy. You know, certainly, and they're not going to ask him to block, uh, you know, a crazy amount. He's going to go out and catch the ball. He's going to be a Mark Andrews because he's a little undersized, right? So that might actually play into his favor, where they don't want him to block as much because it should. You know, let's just let him do what he does really well. Uh, We will get out of there on that. We got through a ton of names between quarterbacks and tight ends. So thank you everybody for sticking with us for this extra long episode for Fitz and Bogman. I am Ryan Warmly. Thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. 
You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.